I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. Vegetarian. Vegan. Yeah, well. Let's get it right. You used the word animals, but I suppose what you should have said is non-human animals. Welcome to the third episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. I'd like to say a very big hello to Barbara of Veganacious. Barbara sent me an email thanking me for my other podcast. I've thanked Barbara for the article she posts online. You can find her on Twitter under the name Veganacious, vegan, A-C-I-O-U-S, or at veganacious.com. I've called this episode Strife After Death. I'd like to talk about how we use dead animals in somewhat unusual ways. We all know how meat comes from the beef tree, requiring only sunlight and five hugs a day to produce steak, but do you really know what's in normal pet food? My first story is from New Zealand. It pretty much speaks for itself. A very small rural town where killing animals is celebrated. All right, the annual pig hunt. Pig hunt is a big event in the North Canterbury town of Wow. One of the highlights used to be the rabbit throw, a competition for kids to see how far, harmless little competition for kids, to see how far they could hurl a dead bunny. But this year it was cancelled, and reporter Kim Vanell explains why. This is rush hour traffic in Wow. But rest assured, when the annual pig hunt rolls around, the 400-strong settlement starts buzzing. It's a community of pig hunters, and it's a rural community, and um, it's, um, it's perfect for this area, really. The hunt is a three-day event, a fundraiser for the community filled with festivities. But the shenanigans are a little tarnished this year. The much-loved rabbit throw has been canned. It's just disappointing. I think people are just disappointed that it's gone this way. The rabbit throw was cancelled when the SPCA got wind of it. After so many recent cases of animal cruelty, they were outraged. To throw dead rabbits around uh, really sends a message to children that uh, dead animals are sort of fun and some, some sort of form of entertainment. Hearing these concerns, the organisers decided to can the throw. They want to make sure the pig hunts a positive experience. But not everyone in the community supports that move. There have been people in the community say, oh, you know, what's wrong with it? Um, and, and some people feel quite strongly about it, that they don't think it should be cancelled. So is this political correctness gone mad, spoiling the fun in a little rural town? Children in a community like this have a better respect for animals because they're brought up with animals. You know, the horror stories that you do hear of where people have been cruel to animals are usually uh, people that, that have no idea what they're doing with animals. While this little guy is obviously a pet, wild rabbits in this country are a huge pest. There's about 30 million of them and they cause an estimated $22 million worth of damage to the economy every year. Here in Waiau, there's actually farmers employed full-time for rabbit eradication. The SPCA, however, say the fact these animals are pests doesn't justify inhumane treatment and death. Do you throw um, your dead grandmother around for a joke at her funeral? Do you throw your pet dog? Uh, once that's died, you throw that around? I don't think it's a problem for our children. They're not going to be going out bashing live animals. Um, you know, the children in the community around here are fantastic. They love their animals. 
But for the time being, the rabbit throw is off the agenda at this weekend's pig hunt. Uh, do you throw your dead grandmother around? No. What's that got to do with it? What has that got to do with it? Honestly, this country's full of wowsers. We have a theory on dead rabbit throwing now, though. What, what was that the theory? That there will be ah. more dead rabbits thrown at in the pick up this year yep. than there has ever been in the past. They will organise rogue, rogue rabbit throwing competitions, and good for them, I say. Well, look, I can see, I can see the point, and it, but, but this is a community, and they, they know their kids. Let and us know. And if they know that their kids what you think. understand animals and love animals and are not going to be turned into animal cruelty and can understand the difference between hurling a dead rabbit for a bit of fun and treating other animals with respect, well, I guess... It's the circle of life, isn't it? Mum and Dad go out and shoot a rabbit, and hand it to their children, they throw the rabbit, brings families together. I don't, mm. Well, I don't understand it, but there you have it. Thank you for your feedback this morning. A lot about the rabbits. It's all been rabbit, really. Uh, what next? A Sue Bradford private member's bill to stop us throwing steaks onto the barbecue or throwing chops into the supermarket trolley. We are a I wonder how far you could throw Sue Bradford. <laughs> we are a rural school that turned it into Throw the Dummy Bunny. After bad press from the SPCA, the kids made the dummies and filled them with sand. Everyone had fun. Well, hang on. What, uh, is that any is that... better? You, so you're still teaching kids to throw, like, look, just throw dead rabbits. What about the gumboot throwing contest in Thai Happy? Does it teach our children that it's okay to be messy and throw their clothes around? Ooh, see, and it that's where it's going. And it's not. Right, rabbit throwing is a staple part of the Kiwi Kid experience. In, in some parts of the country, it is. Not mm. obviously with Pippa's daughter, who will never be allowed to throw the carcasses of dead animals. She doesn't her. like getting her hands dirty anyway. <laughs> no. Um, what's this country coming to? Can't even throw a dead rabbit. So we can eat them, skin them, and wear them. We can cut their feet off for good luck charms, but heaven forbid we should throw them when they're dead. The world's <laughs> gone mad. How can you argue with that? No, that's a good How point. How can you argue with that? Mm. Throw the rabbits. Only those who are vegans should, allow, should be allowed to complain. There's, there's, some, there's some truth in that too. Mm -hmm. Throwing dead bunnies is wrong, wrong, wrong. You are likely to get greater distance throwing live bunnies. <laughs> Fantastic. Where do you people hide when the morons write it? Because <sighs> those are clever comments. That's so clever. It's so nice to know that you're out there. I really have nothing much to say about this bunny throwing. As if throwing a dead animal could teach children respect? I have a much better idea. Why not make an event of identifying native New Zealand birds? Groups could go out to the bush, as we call forests here in New Zealand, and see what living animals they could find. Birds can be easily identified visually or by their bird song. This is far more respectful to animals. It teaches children about living animals that are only found in this country, and nobody gets hurt. To see children who look to be about five years old throwing an animal that looks like a dead cat, it's pretty sick. It's honestly shocking for me I'm sure you can find some images of these children bunny-throwing online. I honestly can't believe this is happening in 2009, going on 2010, or that people would defend this as being attacked by political correctness gone mad, as mentioned in the news piece. To say something along the lines of, our children learn respect for animals by shooting rabbits and then throwing their dead bodies about, and animal abuse comes from people not knowing what to do with animals, I'm left stunned by that. How could someone say that? As if killing animals is not cruelty or abuse in itself. Raising up a big mob to go out and hunt animals? And then for the children to throw the corpse about? What do they learn from it? That animals can die if you point a boom boom stick at them?
They learn it's fun to throw dead bodies about. How could these children gain real-world skills, or even respect, from this awful activity? This episode's second topic, pet food. The topic of pets was mentioned on New Zealand television recently because of the carbon pet print from all the meat animals consume. If you can't eat your pet, maybe you should think about getting one you can. That's the suggestion of the authors of a new book about sustainability called Time to Eat Your Dog. In it, they claim the eco-paw print of a large dog is bigger than that of an SUV. Emma Jolliffe reports. On the left, Onyx the dog. On the right, a Toyota Land Cruiser SUV. So which has the biggest ecological footprint? It's the dog. Cats and dogs are carnivorous. They eat a lot of meat. Um, meat tends to take more land to produce it. In their new book, Time to Eat the Dog, researchers Robert and Brenda Vale compare the amount of land it takes to produce and maintain items like food, transport, clothes and houses. But their findings about pets surprise them the most. They found that each year the footprint of a big dog is 1.1 hectares of land, about eight times the size of a cat's, and twice that of an SUV. The authors suggest swapping our beloved pets for the edible variety like pigs and chickens, but pet owners we spoke to weren't keen. No way. They, they would outrage all the animal owners in the whole of New Zealand. Well, I thought it was rather one-sided. The, uh, uh, you could compare an SUV with this little fella. <laughs> it's absurd. I think the number one line that summed it up for me was that they were both non-pet owners. And he says it's difficult to cuddle an SUV. Vale says environmental impacts can come from places we least expect. If you have a big dog, you're taking more land than a human being in many countries. Good boy. He says the choices we need to make about sustainability are as difficult as thinking about eating the dog. Emma Jolliffe, 3 News. On pet food packaging, we see pictures of whole grains, prime cuts of meat, and ripe vegetables. But, what's actually inside the bag? Jimbo's is a New Zealand pet food company. They seem to pride themselves on offering straight meat products. I think all their pet foods are straight meat of one kind or another. Here's one of Jimbo's advertising jingles. Enjoy the Kiwi bloke on at the start. Often New Zealand ads appeal to the supposedly rugged rural Kiwi male, as if it's something to be proud of, to be rough around the edges, not living in a big city, to complain about political correctness, etc. You already know the Jimbo's cat food jingle. Every cat knows Jimbo's. But due to global demand, we've created a version just for the Hare Krishnas at Heathrow Airport. The year four music class at Ponsonby Primary. The Bravehearts of Scotland. The Pygmies of the Congo. The Rastas of Montego Bay. The Aborigines of Rooty Hill. The Snake Charmers of Calcutta. Finally, all the zookeepers looking after the big cats. If you'd like your own personalised version of Every Cat Knows Jimbo's Visit jimbos.co.nz I did visit jimbos.co.nz I'll read some of their products. 
This is how they advertise their pet food. Jimbo's Cat Food Cat food produced by Jimbo's is mostly sourced locally and processed fresh daily. All cat food meat is sourced from licensed premises. Hearty Beef 500 grams. This product is made from 95% beef and heart at a ratio of 70 to 30 and is suited for cats who like some offal in their diet. It is semi-chunky mince and is to be fed raw, a great introduction to a raw diet. Veal, 500 grams. This is a premium product. It is suitable for most cats, especially fussy eaters. It contains little fat and is highly digestible. Okay, and I've got another Jimbo's cat food product, Economy. Guess what it's made from? Economy, 500 grams. This product is made from 100% pure horse meat and is our most economical. It is very lean and excellent for animals that are prone to obesity. There are definite benefits in feeding this to dogs with skin and allergy problems. You might remember a recent story in New Zealand about poor people in New Zealand eating horse meat killed for pets. Horse meat is generally not seen as fit for humans to eat in New Zealand. Jimbo's Dog Food Chicken Mints This product is made using minced chicken frames. It is suitable for cats and dogs and to be fed either cooked or raw. It is vacuum packed and blast frozen. Dog Sausages these sausages are made using ingredients to form a highly nutritious product that imitate indicative prey-type species in composition. We use chicken frames, heart, kidney, liver, and tuka time in our recipe. Chicken frames are basically the skeleton, and what's left of a chicken, ground into a paste. I had to look up tuka time, which is how I pronounce it. It's apparently grains, like a muesli for animals. Veal Bones Jimbo's veal bones are the best thing you can feed your dog. They are soft enough to be eaten whole and are perfect for cleaning the teeth and gums. The whole bone can be digested, leaving no leftovers that has to be picked up and disposed of. They are to be fed raw. As you know, veal is just baby cattle. Jimbo seems to be proud of the straight animal parts in their pet food. I have no idea, or proof, if New Zealand pet food companies include even more disgusting ingredients, as if you could be more disgusting than chicken frames and veal. But, worldwide, it's apparently the normal thing to do. I'll mention some of these ingredients now. Looking at the Purina dry cat food my dad feeds to his cat, I recognised a few gross ingredients. Poultry by-product meal, animal fat, fish meal, meat and bone meal, and the all-important Animal Digest. Who knows exactly what all this is made of, what it looks like, and where it came from. Even using terms like Animal Digest is an easy way to hide from consumers what they are buying. Animal Digest, as a word, is not nearly as upsetting as seeing what it actually is. I'll read from Rinse.com. Most of what makes up dog and cat food comes from the rendering plant. To render, as defined in Webster's Dictionary, is to process as for industrial use, to render livestock carcasses, and to extract oil from fat, blubber, 
etc. by melting. When chickens, lambs, cattle, swine and other animals are slaughtered for food, usually only the lean muscle is cut off for human consumption. This leaves about 50% of the carcass left over. These leftovers are what become what we so commonly find on pet food labels as meat and bone meal or byproducts. So, basically what pets eat are lungs, ligaments, bones, blood and intestines. Some other things that go into rendering to make your cat and dog food are euthanized companion animals, cats and dogs, spoiled meat from the supermarket, styrofoam wrapping and all, roadkill that can't be buried on the roadside, the four D's of cattle, dead, dying, diseased and disabled, and rancid restaurant grease. Reporter John Eckhouse was one of the first people to discover the practice of sending euthanized pets to the rendering plants. He quoted an employee of Sacramento Rendering as saying, Thousands and thousands of pounds of dogs and cats are picked up and brought here every day. When a vet tells a grieving owner that they'll take care of their dead loved one, they usually mean sending it off with the disposal company for rendering. This is all perfectly legal. Many veterinarians and especially shelters, don't have the money to bury or cremate animals. Although many in the pet food industry deny that they use euthanized animals, proof that the practice goes on continues to surface. Howard Lyman, once cattle rancher, now vegan, mentions animal digest. I said, Oprah, we have 100,000 cows a year, fine at night, dead in the morning. We round them up, grind them up, turn them into feed, feed them back to other cows. We go out and collect roadkill, deer, elk, possum, raccoons, scrape them up off of the street, grind them up, feed them back to cows. And then we take pets, city of Los Angeles, 200 tons of pets full of chemicals that were used to kill them, 200 tons a month are ground up, turned into feed and fed back to our food animals. This time Oprah's eyes are as big as saucers. I know that I've got her. She turns around and looks at the guy from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and says, Dr. Weber, are we feeding cows to cows? I never knew what he had to say. He said, well, you know, the, the, there are a limited amount of that going on. I believe that about 95% of the cattle fed in factory feedlots are eating the remains of other animals. And the next thing out of Oprah's mouth, damn it, gets us sued. Oprah says, that just stops me cold. I will never again eat a burger. Now she didn't say, I think the meat's infected. She didn't say to the millions of viewers, you shouldn't eat them. She just said, that stops me cold. I will never again eat a burger. Now, I knew when I went on that show that 13 states had a thing called the Food Disparagement Law. The Food Disparagement Law says that it's against the law to say something you know to be false about a perishable commodity. I didn't say anything I thought to be false. I told the truth. <laughs> I can't hardly say this. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Lyman, uh, is it true that you are <laughs> a vegetarian? 
And I looked at the jury and said, I will not apologize for something that has saved my life. Never again in that trial did they ever ask me about why I was a vegetarian. They realized that the idea of euthanizing pets, grinding them up, turning them into feed, and feeding them to the animals we're eating, that the chemicals that were used to kill them were not denatured in the rendering process. All of a sudden they looked at it and said, you know, we're not vegetarians, but we realize that what's happening in the industry is absolutely, totally wrong. CBS have also covered the topic. The last decade has seen a few large-scale pet food recalls because of contaminants. This got many Americans questioning what's inside their pet food. Pet food is big business. Americans spend $16 billion every year on pet food. But many owners probably have no idea what is in the food. Resident veterinarian and early show correspondent Dr. Debbie Turner-Bell joins us with more on that. Good morning. Good morning. In some cases, you might not want to know what's in your pet's food. You know, after the huge pet food recall, it taught us that when it comes to food, what you don't know about your pet's food could hurt your pet. I fed my cat the wrong food, and it killed her. Heather Lyons says her cat Gizmo ate food tainted with melamine. This industrial chemical found in wheat gluten made in China triggered the largest pet food recall in history. Heather returned to buying canned cat food. Even so, she's still not quite sure what's in the can, like millions of Americans. Do you know what's in his food? No idea. The third product is beef byproducts. Do you know what that is? I wouldn't want to know, I don't think. <laughs> if I told you its whole carcasses could include beaks, feathers, might be a little manure, it's just all been cooked in a big, big vat. That would make me sick. Legally, byproducts can include lungs, brain, blood, stomach, and intestines. According to a poll conducted by Wellness Pet Food, 64% of the people surveyed did not know the contents of meat byproducts. I feel bad. I mean, outside of my husband and my kids, he's like one of the most important things in my life, and I, and I don't know what I'm feeding him. Interaction with the pet? Veterinary nutritionist Dr. Edward Moser says pet owners need to care about ingredients. When you look at a pet who's not receiving adequate nutrition, the things that you see are dull, discolored eyes, uh, watery eyes, red eyes. You see poor skin and coat condition. It's really important to read the ingredients on the label. And the first few ingredients should be words you understand, like meat, grain, fruit, or vegetables. And avoid a brand that has too many of the four A's, artificial ingredients, preservatives, flavors, and colors. Pet foods are regulated in the most bizarre way. Dr. Marian Nessel is author of Pet Food Politics. There's no real oversight of national regulation for pets, except for a few things that are on the labels of the cans and packages. Which pet advocates say is how melamine ended up in pet food in the first place, and why Heather Lyons joined a class action lawsuit against Menu Foods, the manufacturer that sold the melamine-tainted wheat gluten. Basically, what I want to happen is the government to regulate the pet food better. The reality is most pet food is not going to kill your pet, unless, of course, there is some contamination. So that whole recall really changed the way you feed your pet, right? I would rather have them eat something safe than not, just like with my child. Meat and bone meal is another odd term. It's basically a rendered substance. 
From what I've seen, it's a powder made from animal fat and muscle. Power plants and kilns worldwide are apparently run on this. It's considered green, as it's a renewable source of energy. If you want more power, you just kill more animals. This leads to my third and final story. Swedish rabbits. Wild rabbits are often classed as a pest worldwide. I personally don't see how a cute little bunny could be a pest. It would be complaining about too many butterflies. But in New Zealand alone, I've heard rabbits cause over 20 million New Zealand dollars worth of damage each year. They can dig holes, which are a nuisance to farmers, as their stock, cows and horses, you know, their property, can break legs in the rabbit holes. In Sweden, there are large numbers of rabbits living in local parks. According to the article I'm reading from, from thelocal.se, thousands of rabbits are killed each year and their bodies burnt as bioenergy. Bioenergy is a fancy term. It can mean a lot of things. Burning firewood in a fireplace can be called bioenergy. Often crops are burnt for bioenergy. Apparently, burning beautiful bunny rabbits is also covered by the term. The rabbits are killed because they are seen as pests, and their bodies are put into large furnaces that can generate heat. I find this pretty odd, too. New Zealand doesn't really have any form of central heating that neighbourhoods share. Our cities are either too small or not dense enough for that kind of development. I'd feel pretty sick knowing I was being kept warm from the bodies of rabbits being burnt. I realise that the body of a rabbit is just a thing, and it can be easily burnt, so it is. But still, the whole idea is pretty sick to me. Where do you draw the line? If you can burn animals for warmth, why not burn people? Hook up the crematoriums to this bad boy, to the central heating system. Upon the event of my cremation, you could say I'd finally given back to society. Thank you for listening. You can find the script for this episode, as well as downloads for every episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals, at coexistingwithnonhumananimals.blogspot.com If you want to contact me, even just to say you listened, send an email to jwontdart at gmail.com jwontdart at gmail.com I'd appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Away from the notion of animals as things and toward the moral personhood of animals. The choice is ours. If you're not vegan, go vegan. It's easy. It's better for you. It's certainly better for the planet. And most importantly, it's the morally right thing to do.